Alright, hello everybody, my name is Ethan Jenks, and I am doing a project on geothermal energy, and with me I have my guest, who's not done this project. Yep, I'm Bryant. Bryant Chisel. Yep. And he's going to help me explain uh, geothermal energy in a way that makes sense and helps promote it for potential home buyers or people that possibly need it in the future. So basically what I want to start off with is I want to talk about what geothermal energy is in the first place. The idea behind geothermal energy, it depends on if you've got a power plant or a home installation, exactly how it's going to work. And even from house to house, it depends a lot on what your environment is like around your house. If you've got a power plant, which is not what we're going to primarily be talking about, you're going to be using piping to generate some sort of steam, which will then power a turbine uh, in order to generate electricity. For home installations of geothermal energy, the idea is that you're using the water that you're cycling through a pump in order to heat your house or heat different things in the house, heat water, stuff like that. Uh, and the way that it does that is it takes a pump, which does require some amounts of energy, but it's nowhere near the amount that would be required to power your house in the first place. And it uses pipes that are installed either horizontally in the ground or vertically. There is an extent at which it does drill down into the ground no matter what in order to reach a layer of the Earth's crust which has a near permanent space temperature. And what that means is that in the winter, when the air is colder than this base temperature, you can pump water down in order to heat that water to a temperature where you would be comfortable in your house. Or in the summer when it's way too hot, you are able to pump the water in order to cool it down. There are multiple different types of these pumps. The most space efficient is the vertical pump, which can be installed in most houses pretty much anywhere. The cheapest option is the open loop pump, which is actually not a closed loop of piping, but instead an open pipe into a lake uh, or other body of water. And then it has another pipe that goes back into your house. So you actually filter it with the temperature of the lake. That's very situational, but it does allow you to save some money in certain circumstances. We're going to be primarily talking about the closed-loop systems. What you've basically got is this mixture of antifreeze and water, which is being cycled through in order to bring heat to your house. Over time, this is going to save you a lot of money in energy costs, especially if you're heating your houses, which makes it a great type of energy for places like Wisconsin. Wisconsin has a summer and winter despite what many of us may think. <laughs> it does have a summer occasionally. And what this does is it allows geothermal energy to be used in both directions and allows you to have a certain amount of recuperation time for the Earth's heat. In, in areas with near permanent winter, you can run into issues with stress on the system. But geothermal energy can, in the household context, be adapted to most parts of the world, in general, totally. In general, Geothermal energy is an investment. Uh, it does cost a varying amount based off where you live. The average cost has been quoted between $7,500 and $15,000. But you can make up this investment in approximately 2 to 10 years, and the system has a life expectancy of 18 to 24 years, which means that you will be making money over the lifetime of this uh, system quite a substantial amount of it in difference between your heating costs and the actual household system. This does factor in repairs on a regular basis if needed, which don't 
really offset the pricing in any substantial way. Additionally, it's a nice form of energy because it allows your home to provide its own heating source, which means that you are not influenced in any way by the markets of energy. Additionally, in the case of a crisis of some sort, you do have your own isolated power for heating and cooling. But just being independent from fuel markets is very nice in the case that fuel markets become much more expensive for in terms of electricity to heat your house. This cost will stay a flat rate, which is, which is very nice. So basically, as somebody who knows a little bit about geothermal energy from researching it, I would like to ask you um, what you would like to know about geothermal energy and how you feel about it. Uh, just in general. Okay. Um, so I've heard a lot about renewable energy sources. You know, you got like solar, wind, water, and all that. I haven't really heard a lot about geothermal. It doesn't seem like a whole lot of people talk about it, at least as like one of the big sources. So I guess, why would you use that over something else like water or uh, solar or something like that? Yeah, certainly. So the interesting thing is, in terms of power plants, geothermal energy is usually focused around a hot spot, which aren't necessarily located in the best spaces in Wisconsin. Um, so we don't see a lot of those right now. However, in terms of personal geothermal energy, we actually can see it even being used in Wisconsin. In fact, in Madison, the Wisconsin Institute of Discovery does have a city block dedicated to geothermal energy underneath it and is powered in terms of heating by geothermal energy. I guess the advantages of it on a personal level are that it's very efficient for heating and cooling specifically. You're not going to be really generating electricity from the system, mm -hmm. but it's much easier to install geothermal energy than to install a personal wind turbine That's or fair. other sort of energy source. Right. So um, although you could possibly buy solar panels, solar panels and geothermal energy are the kind of main personal energy sources in terms of green energy. Right. Okay. Um, so if I were to just like, if I wanted to set up geothermal at my house, yes. would I have to like just drill into the ground and have like this pipe set in? So yes. I mean, it's not going to be a do-it-yourself kind of thing. Right, right. To contract <laughs> You're going to have a contractor, but uh, all of those costs were factored into the numbers I had mentioned okay. earlier. It, things will depend slightly based off of your soil, but for the most part, it will not be a huge issue. And the nice thing is uh, geothermal energy can be installed on houses which have already been built. It's not like you have to build this from the ground up okay. into your house. It is possible to install it into an already, you know, functioning mm -hmm. house at that point. Okay, interesting. So how deep are we talking when you have to go down? Do you have to go down like a couple hundred feet or is it like 20 feet? The depth of a geothermal energy loop does depend based off of the environment, but it's typically between 150 to 200 meters deep which is just where the temperatures within the soil itself are relatively constant and at a temperature at which you can cool your house with or warm your house with. Okay, and that varies by like geographical location? To an saying? extent, okay. it does. It doesn't vary to the point where it's going to make a huge difference. Okay, um, so like it really only varies for like Russia versus Brazil kind of thing? Yeah, sure. Yeah, if the if the general if the overall climate is completely different, then it's going to it's going to vary. Yes. Okay, but throughout the states, it's relatively comparative. Yes, if you it depends on your elevation as well slightly. Okay. So I mean, if you're that's fair in the Rocky Mountains, it's going to be a yeah. little bit different. 
But yeah. for places like Wisconsin, um, basically wherever you go in Wisconsin, it's still at a viable level of economic, you know, feasibility. Okay. Um, so earlier I asked about why, or I mentioned earlier that uh, geothermal isn't as talked about as some other energy sources. Why do you think that is? Um, I think geothermal, in a way, is kind of a very plain energy for people to talk about. Yeah, it's just boring. I think it, the, some of the values that people don't understand is just necessarily like the things that you can do personally. Um, a lot of other energy sources seem to be more efficient or more researched in terms of major power plants and things like that. Like nuclear energy is always super interesting to think about. Mm -hmm. You know, solar energy is being more and more optimized today and things like that. However, what I think the difference is with geothermal energy that I really want people to take away from this is that it's something you can do personally, you know, and you don't have to wait for this giant corporation to try and switch to it. You know, geothermal or to an extent solar as well is something that you can make a change with personally. So kind of like this home installation, I think that it depends more on the consumer in order to take these things up. If you haven't really considered a home geothermal energy system, you're not going to hear about it as much in the news because they're not these giant power plants. I mean, they can be, but it, when you're talking about a home system, it's something different and more personal. Okay. For industrial purposes, um, so we have like that big steam plant here in Madison. Is that something where you can like, so obviously you said earlier that it's typically for like heating and cooling, but could you just generate electricity or is it probably easier to go a different route? Yes. So what, what, in a large plant, the way it works is it takes that water, brings it close to a steam, if not as steam, and then takes that steam, uses some sort of energy if it needs more to bring it to an actual steam, and then it uses that motion of hot air in order to power a spinning turbine, kind of like a water wheel being okay. pushed by this steam, mm -hmm. which then generates electricity directly. So the diff that's the main difference. Instead of just d generating a temperature differential, you're going to actually be making electricity. And in a larger scale operation, it's feasible to do this despite any sort of like energy loss between moving components, whereas in a small scale, you want to just be harvesting it in a way that's immediately applicable in order to keep most of that energy in an optimized fashion. All right. So obviously you'd want a wind plant to be at a high elevation and you'll want a solar plant to be in a place where it can get plenty of light and you'll want a water plant somewhere around a body of water. And a lot of people talk about those three sources of energy and they're like just kind of sticking to one. Whereas mm -hmm. like realistically you'd want to use a combination of all three. Is geothermal something where you can just kind of pepper that in with all three of them? So the things that you need for geothermal to be viable to some extent, a four-season climate. It's not completely necessary, but, I mean, we've heard people talk about the stress on the system um, being more in other climates. So places like Wisconsin or similar distances from the equator of Wisconsin, mm -hmm. actually a lot, of, a lot of the United States because of that is viable. And in terms of the actual large-scale power plants, it's nice to have them be built near a very hot section of the Earth's crust. So places like near California, where they're on a tectonic plate, the actual Earth activity near there will generate more heat 
for a geothermal power plant. So in that case, in terms of the large-scale power plants, there are specific areas that are better for them, you know, mostly near tectonic activity mm -hmm. of some sort, whereas home, home plants can be most areas within the United States or similar, you know, similar climates. Okay. And you've been hinting here and there that, like, you kind of shoot for, like, a four-season kind of climate for mm -hmm. geothermal. Is there a reason that you want that over just a place that's really warm but ha or really cold but has, like, a very warm, like, temperature underneath? Sure. Um, the, the nice thing about it, which is, once again, not completely necessary, is that you're spending part of the year heating and part of the year cooling. And the theory behind that, while the Earth maintains this sort of battery of energy, when you're taking temperature out of it in a way for part of the year, you're going to want to be putting it back in for the other part of the year. And at both parts, you know, when you're trying to make it hotter or trying to make it colder, you're in turn making the Earth hotter or colder. But it's always working for you in a four-season environment. Okay. Um, this proves to not be a huge deal because the earth is so consistent in its mm -hmm. temperatures and it really is a huge battery but it will prove to make your uh, energy more efficient or more you know long lasting and things like sure. that sure so i don't want to say drain because i feel like that's a poor choice of words but could a geothermal like loop like overall lower the temperature or raise the temperature of um, that area to a point where it's not quite as good? I You'll never, like, deplete a section of the Earth. Right. What you will do is in-optimize it. And it's really just okay. a matter of optimization in terms of getting the most out of this energy because you really want to be reducing your electrical costs by as much as possible. Mm -hmm. In terms of, like, making it not viable, I don't think that that's the case outside of, you know, extreme weather conditions. It just might cause more stress on the system in terms of upkeep costs and might not provide the same level of heating or cooling that you might need to supplement with uh, an actual heating or cooling system besides that. Okay, so warmer isn't always better, whereas no, ge not always, geothermal no. to most people probably you think of like you want the warm temperature of the earth and you just want it to be as hot as possible. Sure, and that's the difference with a, with a large-scale power plant because that tectonic activity creates this permanently warm section of the Earth that's much, much hotter. That's actually a good thing for the large-scale power plant. The difference with the power plant is you're always wanting to be making it hotter because you're trying to make steam, and that electricity can then be still used for whatever you want it to be used for. It's all coming from heating the water, though, which is why you want that permanent tectonic uh, you know, effectiveness. Right. You mentioned earlier that there was a point in the Earth, talking depth-wise, where the temperature was relatively consistent pretty much no matter what you do. Does it matter, or does it even make sense to go deeper, or does it just not matter? Like, if they could go deeper, would that be a benefit? You see that in some cases with the idea of the large-scale power plant. Um, they can go much deeper in terms to get hotter and hotter water because mm -hmm. going so deep, you know, it's going to be closer to the mantle of the earth, even though we're not really reaching the mantle in any sort of way. Sure. It's going to be much hotter mm -hmm. the deeper you go. 
in terms of efficiency, there is an optimization between how much energy are you going to put into pumping a very high elevation because that does take uh, energy to get the water down and back up uh, versus how much are you getting out of heating the water at a deeper elevation. And, you know, you can only really steam so much, yep, yep. you know, so there is an mm -hmm. optimization factor to it. It will go occasionally deeper on the idea of somehow being able to harvest more energy in that way. But it's, it's a calculation that you go back and forth between. Okay. And I have one more question. Sure. Um, so obviously you're evaporating this water and making steam yeah. for the most part. And uh, are they like, so for a renewable source, you want renewable water to be going through this, right? Sure. It's So do they like recondense that steam back into water or do they just have to be constantly pumping water through? Yes. So the water is collected okay. um, afterwards and then it's just sent back through the same system. So a, a closed loop system, whether you're talking about powering this turbine or heating the water in your house, mm -hmm. um, is, is working on a closed loop with the, with the same liquid flowing through it. It's not like... Uh, it's going to be, you're literally, this water's coming out of your tap because it's got anti-freeze right. in it, first yeah. of all, mm -hmm. and you can't control the, the temperature as much. But, yeah, in a closed-loop system, this will be happening. The interesting thing about an open-loop system is that it's it just simply, it's a very short pipe, comparatively, that goes out into a body of water and then takes in from another entry-level pipe um, from that body of water. So you're kind of cycling in and out of this body of water, okay. and then there's regulations as to protecting the lake or whatever body of water right, is Right, because you can't way. just, like, dump antifreeze in a lake. Yeah, it's not going to be <laughs> using that same chemicals mm -hmm. or anything like that, and it makes things more complicated, but it can be much cheaper because it allows for you to make much less right. of an intrusive uh, operation in terms of installing. Um, makes sense. So th that's another, you know, sort of optimization factor that you have to look into. Mm -hmm. If you have that opportunity, go for it, and it can be... Uh, non-environmentally impactful to do this um, it's not like this is creating a giant pollution in the, in the lake of something right. it's just you're, you're taking water from it and putting it back out in a relatively harmless manner okay cool all right so thank you for letting me talk more about uh, geothermal energy i hope that makes it more in the forefront of your mind and i hope that more people start to think about it as it's very much a nice energy that you can be personally involved in and personally promote so yeah. yeah, thanks. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, no problem. I, I enjoyed learning about this. This is a very interesting concept. I hadn't really thought much about.